Glory to God. Would you turn over in your Bibles? We're going to be over in the book of Second Kings. There was a woman who was visiting some people who lived on a farm and she noticed a pig that was limping, limping in the backyard. Now she looked at it closer. She saw that the pig had a wooden leg. She asked the farmer, she said, what happened to the pig? The farmer said, well, it's Betsy. And I'll tell you what, she is just a wonderful pig. There was one day that the, uh, house caught on, or the barn caught on fire right next to the house. And she oinked and oinked and oinked so loud, got our attention that we woke up, got the barn fire under control, didn't touch the house, nothing was hurt. Just a wonderful pig. Uh, another time, uh, our daughter, our youngest daughter, had fallen into a pond. And this pig oinked and oinked and oinked so loud, got our attention, we got over and we were able to pull her out of the pond before she uh, drowned. The, the woman said, well, that's, there's some amazing stories, but that doesn't tell me what happened to the, to the leg of the pig. And the farmer says, well, when you have a pig, that's special. You don't want to eat him all at once. We're talking about being grateful and showing, showing that we talked before about being filled with the right stuff. Are we filled with the right stuff? This is the right stuff in us. We brought the Gator, Gatorade can out. Maybe you know, remember their advertising campaign. Is it in you? Is the good stuff in you? Because if it's in you, when you're under stress, it's going to come out. We looked at the Snapple can. We remember the Snapple ad. They say what's inside? Good stuff. What should be inside of us? Good stuff. We got to put good stuff in so that when we're under stress, good stuff is coming out. Over in Psalms 100 verse 4, we read that one. It said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. The proper way to get into the presence of God is thanksgiving. It's through thanksgiving. We are to be thankful to him. We can't come into the presence of God with grumbling, complaining, murmuring, bickering, just fussing. But a lot of times we start off our prayers going over the problem. We start off our request before God. Don't even get into praising and thanking him. Just start telling about all the stuff we need, all the stuff we're missing, all the stuff that has to go on. But he says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Colossians 3 verse 15 says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. We need to have more thanks, thankfulness in us. More things going over where we are thankful to God. Last week we looked at 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We looked at Jehoshaphat and how Thanksgiving went out. And when Thanksgiving went out, God began to fight. But we saw that we could actually rephrase that. And it was not so much when they began to sing and praise. It was when they began to be obedient. And they obeyed what God said to do. It's good to be thankful when God says to be thankful. It's good to be uh, grateful when God says to be grateful. When does he say to be thankful? Always. So we need to be obedient to what God says. And when we are obedient to what God says, he begins to work for us. It's not just that, well, we're going to go into battle. We're going to put the praisers first because that's the way to do it. That's not necessarily true. All the times he sent people into battle, only one time did he tell them to put the praisers first. But they were obedient. They did what God said. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse 14. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. Thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph. This is our God. We can give thanks to Him because He always leads us in triumph. We're over in 2 Kings here today. 2 Kings chapter 6. We're picking up here with the northern tribe. The northern tribe, of course, was led by Jehoshaphat. We looked at that one week. We looked at Jehoshaphat. I'm sorry, not Jehoshaphat, um, Jeroboam. Jeroboam was given the reign of that 
of that place. And right after he did, he begins to wander from God. And he says, people, were, they're going to have to go back to God. They're going to worship God someplace else. And they're going to forget about me. But God said, if you'll worship me, I'll make of you an enduring house. And he didn't believe it. He didn't give, he didn't be, remain grateful to God for what he had. He decided to become ungrateful, unthankful. And he began to do these things. Adam and Eve became ungrateful for the garden that they had. They became discontent with the situation they were in. And they decided that something else was better. That's why we talk about being on guard, about being discontent with your, with your situation. Being on guard about being discontent with your job. On guard about the being discontent with the things that are going on. No, be thankful. Always. And no matter how bad it looks, remember, God's given you the victory. Thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory. These are the things we need to keep in mind. These are the things we need to meditate on. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24, we're going to give you the, the quick version of what happened before, because he starts off this verse, and it happened after this. So if he starts off saying it happened after this, we ought to know what the this was. What happened before this, so we understand what happened after this. So you can go back and read this on your own, but Elisha was being given the plans of the king of Syria, and every time the king of Syria laid a trap that God would tell uh, Elisha, and he would tell the king of Israel, avoid over here, and the king of Israel would avoid over there. And the king of Syria got mad. And he said, someone's telling on us. Someone's revealing our plans. And they said, no, but they have a prophet over there, and he hears right from God what's being said in your most private places. So they said, all right, we've got to get this guy. So they sent an army on down to where he was at. He was in Dothan. And they surrounded the whole city. And you remember the story? Elisha's in the city. In the city of Dothan. And the army is surrounding and the servant looks up and he sees all this army. And the servant gets worried. He gets concerned. What's going on? What's happening? Well, Elisha, he's fine. He's calm. And he says, don't worry. There are more with us than are with them. There's two of them. Plus whatever, whoever else is in Dothan. And there's a whole army outside. So he prays, Lord, open up his eyes, let him see. So he opened up his eyes and he saw all this host of angels all the way around. Now, I'll tell you, we've, we found out before how powerful angels are. And they are a lot more powerful than the regular people and soldiers and such. So it's better to have them. And so Elisha walked right out to him. And he said, whom do you seek? And they said, who they, they sought. and said, I'll take you to the place that you want to be at. And so he leads them right into the heart of Samaria. When they get into Samaria, their eyes are opened up, and then all of a sudden they realize where they are. They hadn't known all up until then. And so they were surrounded by the army of Israel, this army from Syria. And the king of Israel said, shall I kill them all? And Elisha says, no, you don't treat your guests that way. Feed them and send them home. So he fed them and sent them on home. He was obedient and did with the thing. It was after this. That Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. We don't know exactly how much time went by. It was enough time that the, the, the raids that had been going on from Syria stopped. But apparently, enough time to go that they decided to forget about the kindness that was shown to them. And they come after them. and they, If they're going to besiege Samaria, they've obviously conquered so many other cities along the way. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And indeed, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth one fourth of a cob of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. I don't think you'd buy any, either of those things. I mean, they just don't sound real appetizing. Eating the donkey's head. That was an unclean animal for them. They wouldn't have done that. But uh, the, the, things were things were hard. They were under siege. No more food was getting in, and they're they're eating droppings, buying them. Wow. So that's the state of the of affairs in the city. Then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? Then the king said to her, 
what is troubling you? And she answered, the woman said to me, give your son that we may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her the next day, give your son that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the woman that he tore his clothes and as he passed by on the wall, the people looked and there underneath he had sackcloth on his body. And then he said, God do, so to mo- God do so to me and more also if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. So, of course, when things are bad, blame the prophet of God. Blame the man of God. That's the thing to do. That's what a, a lot of them are... We, we see them doing in times. Now, he was already in mourning. He put sackcloth on underneath of his kingly garbs. Sackcloth, of course, is not comfortable. So he's not just doing it for show to the people. He put it on to be uncomfortable. This is one of the things that people did for, for mourning. Put the sackcloth on, then put all his kingly stuff on top of that. So he looked okay from the outside, but underneath he was very uncomfortable and doing so because he was going to suffer so that God would see that he was suffering and, you know, win, win God's favor over. Now, none, at no time do, I, do these folks look at the fact that we have left God. We're not serving God the way that we should. And we ought to get back to serving God the way that we should. Because Moses predicted that these things would happen if we left God. But they didn't do that. And they decided to blame the man of God. They decided to blame God. So that's the, uh, the setting here. Ben-Hadad, king of Syria. He's the guy who sends this down. Now, how many remember when Elijah who preceded Elisha and anointed Elisha for the, for the office of prophet to succeed Elijah. When Elijah was in that mountain and God gave him three tasks, you remember what they were? He was to first off anoint Elisha, which he did. He was to anoint Jehu. And he was to anoint, anoint Hayden, king of Syria. I think it was, um, I think that's who it was. Anyway, this is the, uh, the new king of Syria. And Ben-Hadad is king right now. The successor would be the guy that Elijah was supposed to anoint. Now, Elijah didn't anoint him. Elijah only went out and anointed his successor, which was Elisha. And he left the rest of them up to Elisha. Elisha was the one who ended up going out and anointing Jehu and the new king of Syria. And so then they, they went off and they did their thing. But right now, we still have the old king of Syria, not the guy that God had sent Elijah out to to, uh, to anoint. Now, the new guy was not necessarily a great king. He was uh, evil on his own, but there were some things that he was supposed to do as far as the judgment on Israel was concerned, and he was anointed for that task, as was Jehu, and finally Elisha. So that's the guy that is to come. But right now we have the predecessor to that king, and that's Ben-Hadad. Verse uh, 32. But Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. And the king sent a man ahead of him. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, Do you see how this son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head? Now, we're not identified as to who this king is, just called the king of Israel. So more than likely, he is the king of Ahab, or the son of Ahab, which would be, uh, I believe, Jotham. Do you see how this son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door. Hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he was still talking with them, there was the messenger coming down to him. And then the king said, Surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? So Elisha says, Hold this guy at the door. Don't let him come in. Can you imagine this... Elisha was getting the plans of the king of Syria and giving them to the king of Israel and telling him, you know, avoid this, avoid that. So the king of Syria says, I'm going to come up with a plan to kill Elisha. How many of you understand the sense of that? Does he not think that God would give him the plan the same way he gave him the plan of Syria? Well, certainly God did that and God gave him the plan and he knew what was coming. And he says, this fellow's coming on out here. We need to stop him. And, uh, and when he does... They also have a message, a prophetic message. Now, this is the state of Israel. This is what you have to understand. Most of you have never been in a state this dire to where you would pay money for a donkey's head and eat it. Dove droppings. You would buy them. 
find some cookbook around what to do with dove droppings. I don't know what you, <laughs> I don't know how you even prepare those things. But this is what they did. They were, they were buying money. It got to be spending money for these things. It got to be so bad that two women got together and cooked the one lady's son and then ate him. Now how, how bad does that have to get for a mom to eat her son? And then the next day they're upset and they're upset enough that they bring the matter. This, I mean, this is wretched, isn't it? I mean, just the fact that you come up with a plan like this is bad. But then not only come up with the plan, but then bring it before the king and says, you judge between us. She's supposed to have me eat her kid today. And she's not doing it. Make her do so. <laughs> and, and feel no remorse for that. This is how bad the state is inside. How many of you have ever been in a place that bad? Eating donkey's heads. Dove droppings. Considering the taste of the children. Maybe looking at the family cat a little differently. Verse 1 of chapter 7. Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time, a say of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two says of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now this is normal food. And this is better than normal prices. So you're going from a place, of, I mean, understand, if you could buy flour, would you not buy the flour over the dove droppings? Especially if they're cheaper. <laughs> Certainly you would buy them. They would be much more, much more useful. You have recipe books already for flour. None for dove droppings. And they're saying that this time tomorrow, not next year, this time tomorrow, you're going to be buying flour for this. They have no flour. They have no wheat. They have no barley. They don't have any of these kind of things. They're selling donkey's heads. Guess what happened to the rest of the donkey? He's already eaten and gone. Already ate him up. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make, wind, make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. So this man, as far as we know, was only one messenger who was sent. He was a messenger assassin. He was sent. And he, he is met by the door. He's held back from doing what he's supposed to be doing. And then spirit of prophecy comes upon Elisha. And he gives out this word. This is what's going to happen tomorrow. And this man is in doubt and unbelief. How many of you would have been in doubt and unbelief? Let me put it to you this way. Get it, get it into the modern sense. Say that we're back in a couple of years ago and gas is at $5 a gallon. And someone gets up and gets a prophecy in the church. This time tomorrow, gas will be selling for two cents. Two cents a gallon. How many of you say, oh, you got to be kidding me. I mean, even if it begins to go down again, I don't see that it can get down to two cents. I mean, the government taxes it more than that. Two cents? How is it going to be two cents? But that's about what he's prophesying. He's saying you're, going to, you're buying this other stuff that you don't want and spending all this money. Now you're going to get something that you do want and hardly spending anything for it at all. Well, how is that going to happen? I don't understand. And so he spoke it out. I'll tell you what, it's one thing to have doubt and unbelief. It's another thing to speak it out. Be careful that you don't speak it out. Jesus deals with people most of the time, who spoke out their doubts and unbeliefs. There's other people who are smart enough to, you know, keep it under wraps. <laughs> not say anything about it. But not all the time was everybody willing to do that. Peter, a lot of times, spoke out his doubt and unbelief. Got himself in uh, a few lectures. Verse 3. Let's take a look at what they, they do here. Now, in Second Chronicles 20.20, we read this last week. This is the words of Jehoshaphat. Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe His prophets, and you shall prosper. This man decided not to believe what the prophet had spoken. Now there were four lepers, or leprous men, at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here... We die also. Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. 
If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. In other words, we don't have anything to lose. We're going to die here. We know that. We have no food. We're going to die here. If we go to the city, they're all dying in there. So let's go out to the Syrians. Let's see what happens. Maybe they don't have as much of a problem with people with leprosy. And we can come on in. They'll take care of us. We'll surrender. We'll say we don't want to fight. And we'll surrender. Maybe something good will come out of it. It can't be any worse than what's happening here. I mean, if you feel like you're going to die and you have no food, you have nothing to take care of yourself with, how much? How many of y'all know it's better just to get it over with? I mean, why draw it out? That's just go and take care of that. One of my interactions with cats uh, when I was out in Tulsa, I was in an apartment out there, and for some reason, some one of these cats liked liked me for I'm not sure why. <laughs> and so it would um, it would come outside the door and would be there to greet me on the on the way out. It never got in the house, but it'd be out there outside the door and greet me out there and. And it would bring me things. You know what cats kind of things cats bring you. And it would bring me things and they would put them on out here. Well, one time I came on out and it had brought me something, but I hadn't quite finished killing it yet. And this cat just sat there and played with it. It had hurt it enough that it couldn't run away. A little mouse couldn't run away. It just it had hurt it enough, couldn't do that. But it just, um, uh, it, it would get away a little bit and then the cat would use its paw and bat it right back into where it was at. And it just sat there and played with it, you know, just, going on and on about it. I think eventually it did kill it, but that's sometimes what cats, uh, you know, they do what your mom told you not to do. They play with their food. Sometimes you hear that mouse, you say, look, if you're going to kill me, just get it over with. Just torture me here. This is no good. That's what these guys were like. They were that desperate. Let's just either go down there, they, they kill us and it's all over with, or maybe they feed us and things aren't so bad. So where we leave, Bill? Verse 4. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the city, Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. That would be kind of a surprise for you, wouldn't it? Now, you might be thinking, well, maybe they went and attacked the city. It is twilight. It's not the normal time for them to go and attack the city. Maybe they attacked the city. And they rose at twilight, um, or verse 6, for the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses. The noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Now at this point we know from history there were about a dozen kings of the Hittites still around. Some of them had been pushed to the north because Israel came in and moved them out. Some of them still existed in the land, but a number of them had gone forth to the north. And there was, um, in, in Egypt there was one pharaoh, but there were many princesses. Or princes, excuse me. And it may be that the army was being led by these princess, uh, princes. And so that's who they, uh, were speaking of here. But this is what they think. The Egyptians and the uh, armies of the Hittites had come and they were going to attack them. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact. Their tents, their horses, and their donkeys. Boy, if you're smart, cut off the heads of the donkeys, go sell them first. Right? <laughs> and then come in and bring back the other stuff. The, the flour and the wheat's not going to bring that much money, but the donkey's head's got a whole lot of value to it. Right now, they're pretty valuable. And when the lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it. Now, I get the picture of this. Four guys come to the vast camp of this army. And they come to the outskirts of it, just the outskirts. The rest of it is, you know, further. The, the good stuff is further in. You don't put the good stuff on the outskirts. You put the poor guys on the outskirts. The rich guys are in the middle. Because that's the better protected position. So they're on the outskirts. And they come into their tents. Again, we're finding soldiers bringing stuff. And leave it at home. Why are you bringing all this stuff with you? Gold and silver and... Why do you want to bring all that stuff with you? You're there to fight. What do they do? Go back at nighttime and look at all their gold and silver? And I don't know what they're doing with that. But anyway, they're in the outskirts. They come on in. And they come in and they clean out one tent. 
they ate all they wanted to, they drank all they wanted to, and then they took all the stuff and went out and buried it. Then they come back to another one. Can you, I mean, just get this picture. There are thousands, tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of tents. And they raided one. And that took them a little while. And they ate and drank all they wanted out of the one. And then they go and hide all the gold and they come back to the second. And they'd already eaten all that they wanted. Already drank all they wanted, but you know, there's more. <laughs> so I guess we need, to, we need to eat it. So they start eating that and they start drinking that and then it dawns on them. This isn't right. And they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So the motivation for doing this is they're afraid they're going to get punished. They're not doing this because it's the right thing. They're doing it because they think they're going to get punished. Now, you're familiar with this attitude. You'll find it in politicians all over this country. They do what is what people want if they feel like they won't vote for them. They'll get punished. <laughs> then they'll do it. Then they'll, they'll go ahead. So if a whole lot of people call in on an issue and say, we don't want that, then what happens? Then, then maybe they'll, I mean, sometimes they'll, not always, sometimes they'll listen to you then. So you know that attitude that, all right, we'll do the right thing, but only because we have to. That's what these guys are out. Now they walk in into that first tent. They're into the first tent and they see all this stuff. They came there because they're ready to die, right? They're either going to be killed by the, the, the Syrians or they surrender and they get some food. One or the other, either way, it's, it's, it's better. They come on down, there's no one there. No one's going to kill them. No one's giving them a few scraps. They get all that they want. How many of you all think that they're thankful? How many of you think thankful words came out of their mouth? How many of you think they walk in there and say, Wow, this is ours. We can eat. We can drink. We can loot. Oh, this is good. How many of you think that they're thankful? Now, how many... Now, put yourself in their position. See, when you when you go through some of these Old Testament stories, you got to put yourself in these people's positions. How many of you, if you if you're if you can get the mentality of what these guys are like, how many of you are thinking, finally we get our just due. We have been ostracized, put out by society. We haven't been getting. They haven't been doing what they should for us. We've always felt like they should have done more, and now we're, we're finally getting what is due us. Are they thankful? Yeah, but they kind of feel like that it, sh it should be ours. We should have been getting something before we weren't. Now we're getting all this, so we're going to keep it to ourselves and just enjoy it us. And they would have been fine to do that way, except they figured, you know what? We're going to have a hard time keeping this a secret. Because if we go on through all these tents and get all their stuff, People are going to wonder, how did you get to be so rich? You weren't that rich yesterday, but you're this rich now. And then we have to go through and hide all the tents. And then what are we going to do with all these donkeys and all these horses? They're going to give us away. we got to do something. So they're only doing it because they don't want to get in trouble. That's it. It's not like they have any love for the people in the city because the people in the city push them out. You can't be in here. You're a leper. You need to go out someplace else. Not in here. They're not taking care of them. The Syrians come. If they get you, they get you. Can't help you. Not much we can do. So they're going to do the right thing. Not wait until morning going up there and they went up there at twilight. So they went and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them, saying, We went We went to the Syrian camp, and surprisingly, no one was there. Not a human not a human sound. Understand there were horses and donkeys and other things. Only horses and donkeys tied, and the tents were intact. And the gatekeepers called out, and they told it to the king's household inside. So they're getting the word around. But I understand everything is intact in this place. We didn't get to go over this part yet. But this is this is great. Why did the Syrians flee? 
because they heard the sound of horses and chariots. God caused them to hear these. And they thought the Hittites and the Egyptians have come to get us. Which meant that they were thinking, at least some of them, when they left, what happens if we get out there in this siege and our enemies come and attack us? Doesn't that thought have to be in there? You have to have that thought. That Think back to your kid days when you were out there watching the scary movies. How many times did you sleep in your room and never thought a thing about it? But then after you watch the scary movie, you go up in your room and all of a sudden there is a monster underneath your bed. You didn't, you weren't aware of this yesterday, but you are aware of it now. There is a monster that lives inside your closet. Now you hear it. You didn't hear him yesterday, but you hear it now. You saw the scary movie, the scary movie sowed the seeds, and then you hear what? The sound of the monster. It's funny how you didn't hear the sound of the monster yesterday, but now you hear the sound of the monster. I know the, the monster's in the closet. I know dad, mom can come up into the room, hear you fussing. What's up? There's a monster in the closet. They could turn the light on, open the door, take you in there, show you around. There's no monster in the closet. Put you back in bed, turn off the light. And what do you hear? You hear the sounds of the monster. Because you had the scary movie, so the seeds in there. So these things were already on the inside of some. Can't say all, but at least some of them. And so when they heard the sound, some were saying, is that sound? And some of them said, just like I thought, the Hittites, the Egyptians, they've come to get us. I wasn't even thinking about them. Because fear could spread. You know that if you brought your friend over into your room and you both watched a scary movie, <laughs> your friend never having been in your room before at nighttime, here's the sound. What is that? That's the monster. You'll help them understand what it is. It's the monster. He's in the closet. He lives there. So they had this fear that was in them. And God didn't have to sow the fear in them. God doesn't go around sowing fears. He already knew what they were thinking. He just caused them to think it. He gave them sound. Hey, give them a little, you know, Gabriel. Give them a little chariot sound. They'll do the rest. Verse 12. So the king rose in the night. And said to his servants, let me now tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we are hungry. Therefore, they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, when they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. Now, the word that the prophet spoke was, this time tomorrow, flour, wheat, we'll all call it be cheap. We won't be buying donkey's heads anymore. Looking for a dove dung. You'll be buying regular food and it'll be cheap. Which meant that somewhere over the course of the night a miracle was going to happen. Is he looking for a miracle? He is looking for a trap. I know this is a trap. The Syrians, they just did this to trap us. I know what it was. They saw the four lepers coming. And they quickly pass word, text message, everybody in the entire camp. <laughs> everybody be real quiet and hide under the sand. Amazing. Text messages started way back when. <laughs> Wouldn't you just have loved to have been in the Syrian camp and heard all those little signals of all the text messages going off? Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> or a Twitter account. There we go. Everybody's got the laptop in the tent. And so you get all this multitude of people and they've all hidden themselves and it made themselves perfectly quiet. When was the last time you got 30 people together and got them quiet? <laughs> You're talking about this whole huge army. But this is what he's thinking. Why? It's his, it's his fear. Now, he didn't have this fear before. Why has he had this fear now? How could this be? How could the Syrian camp be I know how it could be empty. I know how. They're just trying to trap us. They want us to come out here to the city where it's safe, where you're eating donkey's heads and dove dung. 
because obviously the, the, their strategy isn't working. You're still eating stuff, and they're they're gonna they're gonna try this. And when we get out there, then uh huh, they're gonna jump us. I know it. And one of his servants answered and said, "Please let several men take five of the remaining horses." <laughs> they have five of the remaining. Uh, they have more than five horses, but they're gonna just take five of them. Five of the remaining horses, imagine that they didn't get eaten, which are left in the city. Look, they may either become like all the multitude of Israel that are left in it, or indeed, I say, they may become like all the multitude of Israel left from those who are consumed. Let us send them and see. So basically, they're saying the same thing that the leper said. Send them out. If they die, they just die sooner. We're all going to die. If the Syrians rise up and kill them, they just die sooner. If they find stuff, they can bring it on back here. And then we can all enjoy it. Wouldn't you like to be one of those volunteers? Now, understand the volunteers may not have had this fear until they got, I need some volunteers, and they get some guys, you know, 20 guys or a number of guys that stand up. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to send you out to the Syrian camp. There's a whole mess of stuff there. We want you to get some and bring it on back. If you're one of the guys, what are you thinking? Why, aren't, why isn't everybody going? How come it's just us? Oh, you think this is a trap, don't you? And you don't want to go yourself because you think you might die. But you want to send us. Ah. Oh. Not so sure about that. How grateful would you be when you got out there and found out that there is no trap? What are you going to do with the stuff? Let's take some. We'll show those guys. This will be hazard pay. Verse 14. Therefore they took two chariots with horses, and the king sent them in the direction of the Syrian army, saying, Go and see. And they went after them to the Jordan, and indeed all the road was full of garments and weapons, which the Syrians had thrown away in their haste. So the messengers returned and told the king, and the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. So a say of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two says of barley for a shekel, According to the word of the Lord. My question is, why is anybody buying stuff? <laughs> Just go and get it. But you know, you got people. I don't want to go get it. You go get it for me. I'll buy it off you. <laughs> I guess that's what that's, what's going on. The people went out there and plundered it. Apparently some people still have money. So they said, we'll just buy it off of you when you get here. Because I really couldn't figure out why in the world you're selling this stuff. Everybody's going out there to get it. There's plenty of it. Go out there and get some. So the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. So a say of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two says of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. Now the king had appointed the officer on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. This is the same guy who came over to Elisha. But the people trampled him in the gate and he died. So he heard about how good it was, that it was all true. And he's in the gate. And once the people heard that the stuff was there and that the way was clear and there were no Syrians, I mean, they're buying donkeys' heads. They're eating their kids. They charged. And went right on down. Now, how many have ever been in a mob? Ever been in a mob? I've been in some, you know, just down a Winter Bible Seminar. Winter Bible Seminar for a while had mob mentality. Now, when, all, when we started bringing all you folks out, it had cleaned up it's quite a bit. When I was going down there and going to school, it was really nasty. People would trample women and children for a front seat and not think twice about it. Not even bat an eyelash at it. I got the front seat. Oh, the anointing is so much better up here. <laughs> they will commit any number of sins... To get to the front seat, because the anointing is better up here. <laughs> and I might get from God if I get to the front seat. <laughs> we were there one time, standing in line, waiting to get in, and Brother Doug Jones came on out and said, All right, now, we're going to open the doors in a minute. And when we open the doors, y'all need to go single file, walking, come into the into the room. Find yourself a seat. Do not run. If you run, we will march all back out and start over again. 
I just sat there and laughed. I I gave up getting a front seat right from the onset. I said, I'm just happy somewhere in the middle. That's fine. I just go for the less you know, less dangerous spot somewhere in the middle. I know the anointing can get back there. <laughs> so we were content with that. Oh, my, it was something else. But it had uh, cleaned up. And people were just that ing- eager to get the word, just to, to get into the anointing. How much more when you're hungry and there's food, there's money, there's loot, there's all sorts of stuff. I mean, these folks, they were poor, t- poorer than before, too. If you're spending that much money for a head of a donkey, you know you don't have much left. So it's going to take care of all that stuff. So this guy got trampled. He heard about how great it was going to be. He heard about the abundance, but he never saw it, just like the prophet said. So it happened just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two says of barley for a shekel, and a say of fine flour for a shekel, shall be sold tomorrow about this time at the gate of Samaria. That that officer had answered the man of God and said, Now, look, if the Lord would make the windows in heaven such a thing be, could such a thing be. And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. Now, these four lepers, understand this, they acted on hopelessness. They had no hope. They had no hope if anything was going to be changed, anything was going to get better. I got no hope. All we can do, that's just, if we stay here, we're going to die. If we go in the city, we're going to die. Let's go. The only other choice we have is to go out to the, to the Syrians. Let's go ahead and take it. Had they known the word of the Lord and acted on it, this would have been an act of faith, wouldn't it? If they knew the word of the Lord. They didn't know what the word of the Lord was that was spoken. They're outside the city. They didn't know. So it's not an act of faith that they did. They didn't sit around and say, you know, the word of God said. Maybe that means we ought to go down to the camp and see what's going on. That would be an act of faith. They did an act of hopelessness. But faith has hope. Understand this, you cannot accidentally have a faith action. You can't accidentally do it. If you're going to tap into the power of faith, it's on purpose. It's you acting on what you know. There are no faith accidents. Faith is a response to what God said, and you do it deliberately. We already told you the Lord knew the fears of of some of the Syrians and gave them an opportunity to believe them. How many times has the devil given us an opportunity to believe some of the fears that we have? Some fears begin to come up on the inside of us and all the devil has to do is give us the opportunity to believe it. We got a fear, I might lose my job where I work. And then all of a sudden, an opportunity comes along to water that, to to give that some some strength. And you decide to believe it. No, don't go out there and do that. Don't believe it. As we said, the lepers go into one tent. They go into one tent. But they don't have the right attitude. They are not thankful in the right way. They're glad. Hey, we got some food. This is good. We've been, we've been shortchanged for so long, but they are glad for what has come to them, but not grateful for what God has done for all. There is a difference between being glad for what God has done for you and being grateful for what God has done for all. This one's real important. Too many people, folks, are mannerly thankful, but they are not gratefully thankful. What do we mean by mannerly thankful? I'll give you, I have an example for you. Do you say thank you when you get a paycheck? If somebody comes up to you, your boss comes up to you, and he's handing out paychecks, and he hands them on out, do you not go out and he hands you to yours? Here you go. Don't you say, thank you? Now, do you really mean, thank you? No, you're just being polite. If he gives it to you, and you say, thank you. Oh, you didn't think you needed that? I'll, I'll take that back. It's a, it's a polite thank you. It's just, it's manners. And it's nice to have thank you as far as manners are concerned. But God's not looking for mannerly thankfulness. He wants Grateful thankfulness. These guys were not gratefully thankful. They were, they were going to have manners if we don't do this right. If we don't, you know, if we wait until the morning, we're going to get in trouble. 
We better go up there tonight and, and let them know. Because they're over there looting the 110. 110 out of thousands, tens of thousands, so however many tents there are out there. They're looting one and going back and getting a second. Then they decide, oh, this isn't quite right. This isn't the way we should do it. No, you got that paycheck because you worked hard. And you earned it throughout the week. And then at the end of the week or the end of two weeks or the end of the month, however it is that they pay, they give you the paycheck. And you say, thankful, but thank you, but it's just nice matters. It's not like they did something nice for you. Now, if they gave you a bonus, <laughs> an extra bonus or something that, you know, you didn't earn or deserve, sometimes bonuses are earned. It's based on, you know, if you do these certain things, so it's an earned bonus. But sometimes they may just come up to you and say, you know what? You've just been such a great employee. And I know I don't have to do this, but here's a bonus. Well, thank you. Now, isn't that different? I am grateful and saying thankful. I'm not just being nice. I'm not just having manners in here. When we got to get with God, sometimes we're just giving God thank you out of, you know, manners. Well, you know, you're God and that's probably do me anyway. And I'll say thank you. But this should have come my way. I've been withheld this for so long. Been cast outside the city. People haven't been taking care of me. Be grateful. Have a thankfulness that's out of gratefulness for everything. And this is how he wants us to be all the time. Be thankful always. We've got to keep that attitude always. Not just some of the time, but always. An attitude of thankfulness, but one that's born out of gratefulness. I'm grateful, Father, for the things that you've done. Not just, all right, well, the Bible says I need to be thankful, so I don't want to get in trouble. Guess I'll be thankful. Thank you, God, for, uh, let's see, like, oh, yeah, well, thank you. I'm alive today. Thank you. I have a house. Thank you. I have a car. Thank you. I have a job. And thank you for most of the kids. You know, there's a couple I don't like so much, but that's not, that's, that's mannerly thankfulness. You know, sometimes we even do it out of, well, thank you, God. You healed me. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, but I deserved that. I was in faith and I was studying the Word and I was doing... Thank you, God, that you healed me. Oh, be grateful. Have a grateful heart to Him. That's what He likes to see. These folks are glad for what had come to them, but they are not grateful for what God has done for all. Get into a place, folks, where we are grateful. Don't just be polite. Don't just be polite. First Thessalonians 5.16 says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, whatever situation I'm in, I'm not giving them thanks for all the stuff that happens, because he's not behind all of it. But whatever situation I'm in, giving God thanks. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. But sometimes we look at these situations, all right, well, I'll give you thanks for that, but I'm not real happy. I'm not real grateful about it. James says, count it all joy when you encounter various trials and tests. Count it all joy. Be joyful. Be glad. Why? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. This is producing something inside of me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now, picture, picture, go back to the story again. Picture yourself, Israel. Israel's in this situation because they were disobedient, because they disobeyed God, went after idols. They're in that situation because of what they did. They're blaming God, but they're in that situation because of what they did. And God comes along and says, you know what? I'm going to bail you out. I'm going to defeat the, the Syrians. Now, remember we told you the story that went on before this one? how the Syrians had been marched right into the city of Samaria and they spared them, they fed them and let them go. It's not mentioned here in Scripture, but how many people do you think were around there it says, pointed at Elisha and said, we should have killed them. This is probably why the king of Israel is mad with Elisha. Because he said, shall we kill them? And Elisha says, no, feed them and send them home. And after these things, Ben-Hadad the king of Syria came on down. And they're all thinking about Elisha. They're talking about Elisha. 
You know, it was Elisha who stopped us. We had them in a place. We could have, we could have prevented all of this. We just didn't listen to Elisha. Oh. They're made of it. Now, the reason that they came back was not because they let them go. The reason they came back was because they were still in rebellion to God. They hadn't fixed anything. They hadn't changed anything. But they're all looking, pointing the finger. How many times we do that? All right, I'll be thankful to God, but I'm not grateful because I can point my finger at this, 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 and this, and this. All these situations, this could have been different. Someone else could have helped it over here. This one could have been better over here. How many of you all know how other people have let you down? Don't you? Don't we all know? I know. Well, this one let me down over here, and this one didn't pay me, and this one didn't come through, and this one didn't do what they said, and this one, and this one, and this one. How many of all know that? We all were aware of how people let us down. And that affects us being grateful, doesn't it? Doesn't that affect us being thankful and grateful? Stops me from being thankful and grateful of my job because I know what my job hasn't done. Well, they haven't given me a raise in a while. They keep tacking on the hours. They keep doing this. And the things you don't like, they keep doing. And we don't become grateful for it. Because we're looking at all this stuff that's going on that's, that's wrong. No. Get out of that mentality. Get in there and say, Father God, I am going to be thankful. I'm going to be grateful to you. Even though some of the things that are coming my way, I don't think I deserve. I don't think it's right. But I'm not going to get focused on that. Because if I got what I deserve, we know what we, we, we would get. <laughs> Thank God we're not getting what we deserve. But don't get your eyes off on that. Too often, folks, we, we get out of a thank, thankful, thankfulness for the people that are around us because we're focusing on what they didn't do, what they could have done, what they should have done. We covered this part of it along, uh, early on in the series. Don't be focusing on that. Focus on what can I do? How can I help? What can I do to make this better? Have a grateful attitude. A grateful people, folks, are always looking for more things to do. So grateful people are. Like we told you before, ungrateful people, they're alone. They feel left out. Ungrateful people miss out on stuff and then sit around and say, well, how come nobody called me? How come nobody noticed I was missing? I didn't hear from anybody. How many times you thought that yourself? But then take those same people. How many people have you called when they were missing? Somebody's missing over work. Do you call them up and say, hey, how you doing? But if you're missing from work, nobody called me. Could have been dying. Nobody called. <laughs> See, it's so easy for us to put other things on other people we won't put on ourselves. It's because we're ungrateful. We have to get out of that ungrateful mentality. Always be grateful. Yeah, but so-and-so, so what? So what? These four lepers had to get to the spot where they say, the people in the city did nothing for us. They pushed us out of the city. But if we stay quiet about all this stuff that's going on, it's not going to be good. We need to go back and tell them. I need to go back and tell them. Don't get stuck in that mentality that these folks are in. Be grateful. We put this in your outline display. It is easier to maintain an attitude of grateful thanksgiving than it is to reacquire it. It is easier to maintain an attitude of grateful thanksgiving than it is to reacquire it. We'll go over into more of that stuff in the next week. But there's a lot of folks who didn't maintain this attitude of grateful thanksgiving now i'm not saying folks i every one of i asked you right now every one of us right here could say this week was there a time we were not thankful and every one of us could raise our hand couldn't we i can there are times i've slipped into this week i was i i know better (laughs) but i stopped being thankful and went into not thankful like we're looking at last time is there is there a space between being thankful and being not thankful no you are either Thankful or you are? I forget who taught that to me, but I remember that for whoever did it. Remember what they taught more than who they were. <laughs> but, but that's important for us to understand. If I am not thankful, I am over in the area of being unthankful. I got to stay in the area of being thankful. Being thankful always. Rejoice always. He brings to, the, to victory to those who stay in thanksgiving. We need to keep staying in Thanksgiving. You all know 
when the donkey's head's going for as much as it was and people are buying Dove's dung, it's hard to be thankful. That's a hard thing to be thankful. And when the word of the prophet came on out, this time tomorrow, this is what's going to happen. It's hard to be thankful for that word, isn't it? How many of you saying, oh, glory to God, that was such a good word. Oh, I like that word. No, what do we do? Yeah, right. I've heard that before. Like, that's going to happen. Is that thankful? Is that rejoice? Is that grateful? No, it's not those things. But this is what the enemy tries to do. Let's get them out of being thankful. Let's get them out of being appreciative of what they have. It's going to be unappreciative of what they, of their blessings. That's why we tell you, write them down. Have you ever gotten to a place where you told God, God, it never seems like I get healed. <laughs> I haven't been there with that one. Oh, man. That's why you write them down. Because then you go back in your book. And say, oh, I forgot. I did get healed of that, did I? Oh, then look at that one. I forgot about that. Look at that. Remember the things that God has done for you and be grateful and be glad. And then look ahead to what God's going to do in the future and keep your eyes focused on that. It is so easy for us to focus on disappointments. How many of you got disappointed this week when the Phillies lost? All right. Some of you folks like watch baseball. I was watching, I watched every one of those games that I could except for the ones that are on Wednesday night. But when I got home Wednesday night, I turned it on and I'm watching, I'm cheering them on. And it's disappointing when you see them get lose. And sometimes you get that attitude. Oh, they just stink. Yeah, there's only two teams playing baseball right now, folks. Only two teams. And it wasn't the Yankees playing in the final game last year. (laughs) No, don't, don't be ungrateful. Be glad and be thankful. Don't get your focus on what I don't have what the disappointments are because it's so easy for all of us, me included, to get into that spot. Oh, I don't have this. Oh, if I only had this. Only if this were better. It's so easy for us to do that. But give thanks first and foremost. The victory is coming. We've looked at all these different stories and the victory comes. But you got to get to that place of praise and thanksgiving. Second Corinthians 2 verse 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. The triumph is future. The thanks be to God is now. But thanks be to God. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Thanks be to God is present. Who gives us the victory is future. Thanks now in the future is the victory. Don't get yourself into thinking that it needs to be victory first, then thanks. It's thanks first and then victory. And not some mannerly thankful. Well, thank you, Father God. I know you've been faithful to me in the past and I'm sure you'll be faithful here in the future. Thank you, God. No, but thankfulness with grateful hearts. Father God, you have come through for me. All the time. And I know. I don't see it right now. But I know you're coming through. Right now it seems to be impossible. The grain would sell for what you say it could sell for. But thank you God. Thank you God. And keep praising Him. Keep giving Him glory. Don't let the gloom get upon you. Keep chasing it away. Gratefulness chases it away. Be thankful always. we got to get to that place. We are not content with having unthankfulness be a part of us at any time. We will maintain thankfulness always. Always. It's not an easy thing to do. It is not. But oh, it's good. It's a good place to be. Would you all stand up with me? How many of you are are in a place where you are, right now it feels like you are in the spot where the donkey's head is selling for all the shekels. But you want to be in the place where the wheat is saying selling for a shekel. I want to be there. I don't even buying donkey's heads. I don't even buying dove dung. I want to be buying the wheat, buying the flour. I want to see that. And sometimes we think, well, when I get there, 
and I see the wheat and the flour, then I will praise the Lord. Now, praise the Lord now. Give the Lord glory now. And be grateful. Don't just thank Him in a mannerly way. Thank Him with gratefulness. Father God, I thank You. Now, as if it has already been done, I thank You that what You promised is coming about. When You promise that wheat will sell for a shekel, and I can't even buy a, a donkey's head for that. I thank you now while I'm buying a donkey's head for the future when I'll be buying the, the fleet, the, the flour and the, and the wheat. That's what we need to do. That's where we have to get to. All right, well, I'll try it tomorrow. Won't work. So you haven't become grateful. I am going to be grateful tomorrow is different from becoming grateful. Grateful people, folks, just act differently. And that's what God wants us to be. Called into that place. Get, your, get that thing in mind. What is going on in your life? It feels like you're on the wrong side of the wall. The flower is not abundantly available. There's just your situation. I want you to get that in mind. Now, how happy will you be when it's here? How grateful will you be when it's here? And that's where we need to be. And that's where we need to be all the time. So let's just practice. Glory to God. Let's give God praise and glory as if it's the next day. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we give you the praise and the glory. We thank you for the victory. We thank you that in us, the victory, it's ours. We win. Oh, thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Thanks be to God who gives to us the victory. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you always lead us into a place of victory. You always lead us into a place where our needs are taken care of. It's our disobedience that got us out. But Father, you lead us in. Oh, glory be to your name. Hallelujah. 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 That thing that we need, it's ours. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. It belongs to us. We have the victory in that situation. Devil, you're not going to bound us up with thoughts of defeat. Now, as you go out this week and the thought comes in, that thing's still on you. That thing hasn't come back yet. That thing hasn't come to you yet that God promised. It's not here yet. It's not yours. Every time that thought comes in, you begin to want to get a little glum, a little, oh, woe is me. I've been so faithful to God. If God was only half as faithful to me as I've been to Him. We get those kind of thoughts. Cast those thoughts out and replace them with, Father God, I thank You. Oh, You have given me the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And just focus on those things. Because the Word of God says, "Thank, be thankful to Him half the time. All the time. Keep giving Him thanks. Every time you want to get those negative thoughts on the inside of you, Chase them out. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Thanks be to God who gives to me the victory. And just keep going over those verses of Scripture because the Word promises us victory. Think about Israel, Samaria, selling donkey's heads. The Word of the prophet comes along. Jehoshaphat said, believe, believe his prophets. And I have actions of faith. And believe what God said. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. We want to hear some testimonies. When you come in next Sunday, give a testimony. If you don't have a testimony for being on the other side of the wall yet, that's fine. Give a testimony of, well, these thoughts tried to get get in there and pull me down. But no, I didn't give in to them. I didn't take those. No, no, no. Did this, did that. And glory of God came upon me. Gladness was on me. Gratefulness. Just, oh, it was so much different this week, and you can just testify about that. 
But we like to hear those testimonies too. So have some testimonies. Come on in. Talk about it. Get, let people know what's going on. Praise you, Father God. Hallelujah. Father, we do thank you. You are a great God. We serve a wonderful God. A risen Savior. Oh, hallelujah. We may not be able to see the victory. We may, may not be able to see the deliverance that you have in store. Father, we can give you praise all the same. We have faith in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.